listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to uh, show you something today that's going to stir your faith, and uh, it really will, especially with uh, everything that's going on around the world. This will stir your faith today. Um, I'm in Judges chapter 7, which is where I want you to turn in the Bible uh, this morning. Judges chapter 7. This was from uh, yesterday's reading uh, in the plan that we're doing together, but something jumped off at me that uh, I've preached it before, but the Lord started to show me some things that will bless you. And you saw in the title I put, uh, it's brightest, the light shines brightest in the darkness is the thought. The light shines brightest. We are the brightest. God's power is the brightest in the darkest times or in the darkest moments. I like what the... uh, Psalmist wrote in Psalm 23, the Bible said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hey, Ashley and Ted, love you guys. And so uh, in the valley of the shadow of death, doesn't matter how dark the shadow gets, you don't have to fear any evil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, and I, in fact, I want you to write that by faith because one of the things that they're trying, anybody, if you look around the spirit of this world, whether it be in the, uh, the news media, people that have unregenerated minds, you listen to people talk, you feel like you should be fearing evil to come or resident evil. And, uh, I want you to put it in the comments today. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. If you look at it, the world wants you to be in fear. And I want you to put that in the comments. I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. And I love the reason why. For you are with me. Glory to God. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Glory to God. I will fear no evil. I remember uh, we were out in Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, back in 2001. And uh, it was during the, I think the, the conference that Pastor Perky used to hold was called Fire in the Plains. If dad is still on the broadcast, he can confirm that. I think that he used to do a revival called Fire in the Plains. And uh, my father was there speaking. And uh, there were other ministers speaking during that conference. And uh, that was in 2001. And I can remember that one of the speakers was uh, Pastor or Bishop T.D. Jakes, who was there one of the nights. And uh, I can remember that just after the Twin Towers fell in New York City, of course, the nation was shaken. Literally, people were like, they didn't know how to, they didn't, they didn't know how to take it. I mean, we'd never seen really an attack on our shores uh, to that magnitude in some time, probably since the war. Uh, that preceded it. So uh, people didn't know how to take it. People were afraid all over uh, America. President Bush um, in a joint session of Congress uh, declared a war on terror. Many of you will remember that. He declared a war on terror. People, they didn't know how to react. People were afraid. 
People were truly afraid in America. And I can remember being in the Fire in the Plains conference and uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes was there and he opened up his Bible and, and uh, ha- opened, opened up to Psalm 23 and got to that verse and literally he preached the whole night from the subject, I will fear no evil. I'm not sure if I sat down one time during the entire night. I mean, he preached the pain off the walls. He preached the fire down. I will fear no evil. And uh, that's exactly the message. We will, we don't have to fear any evil. Why? For God is with us. As I've been saying, as Paul said in Romans 8, 31, if God's for you, tell me who can be against you. Who can be against you if God's for you? I will fear no evil. Powerful, powerful message. And um, one of the things that you can clearly understand and clearly see is, and you know this just naturally, is that any light source is the brightest or seems the brightest. Because in, in all actuality, the power of the light itself does not change. For example, if I was here in the studio today, now it's sunny outside and we've got the windows open. And then of course we have all of the studio lights on right now. So in this, and then we've got the LED wall in the back, which throws a lot of light off. So there's light literally all around me. I've got sun streaming in through the windows. All of the studio lights are on, plus the LED wall. A lot of light in this room right now. So if I were to pull out even a big mag light, even the kind that the uh, police officers carry, a huge mag light. And if I switch that on, I mean, you'd probably see it on the wall. You'd see the light going around, but it's not going to seem as bright with everything else surrounding it that is bright. However, come back into this studio in the dead of night and have the LED wall off. There's no sun out and all the studio lights are off We're almost sitting in pitch black darkness. And then I pop that mag light on and it will seem as though there is a mighty beam of light shoot cutting through the darkness. It seems a lot brighter. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. The actual power or lumens of that light didn't change. It's the same if I shine it now or if I shine it in the dead of night. The actual power of the light is the same. However, it's that the light seems brighter as you shine it around through the darkness. The light seems brighter. It's not brighter, but it seems brighter, which means even more attention is drawn to the power of that light. You see that? That if we're in the darkness and I pop that thing on, more attention is drawn to the power of that light if we're in utter darkness. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point that I want you to understand is that uh, it's brightest. Our light shines brightest in the darkness. But here's the powerful thing. It's not that the source of our light changes, nor is it that the power of our light changes. However, it is that the light has more attention drawn to it in the darkness. If everything, for example, let me show you the power of contrast. Let me show you the power of contrast. If God's hand of blessing is on you uh, in a time where everybody's doing wonderful, everybody's doing great, 
then really there's not a massive difference. You could be in a place where everybody around you, there's no crisis. Nobody's going through anything. Everybody's, you know, doing well. And there's not really, you may not really see a, a, a stark contrast, although God will lift your head and shoulders above the rest. However, it's in times of turmoil when the devil's attacking, crisis is all around you. <clears throat> However, in times of crisis, in times of turmoil, you are still in a place of supernatural blessing, protection, healing, peace, joy. You see what I mean? And then you look around and it's trouble all around you. You look around, it's crisis all around you, turmoil, issues. However, in the midst of all that, you're still doing phenomenal. You're great. You're healed. You're peaceful. You've got joy. You're blessed. You see what I mean? You're protected. That's a contrast because look one, uh, look one house to the right problems and then come to your house, blessing and peace contrast. That's the power of contrast. In fact, that's described in Psalm 91. If you read Psalm 91, what does the psalmist write? He said, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. So look at that. No matter which way you look, people are falling. Do you see it? No matter which way you look, people are falling. It's crisis over here. It's crisis over there. But those things will not touch you. So that if somebody was scanning society, scanning the population, they'd see trouble, 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 blessing, trouble, 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 trouble. You see that? They would just look and see just like almost like scorched over. If you've ever watched a movie that takes place in a dystopian future where everything, all the cities are torn down, everything's in shambles, everything looks like wasteland. You know, that could be how it looks as they look across society, wasteland, and then they see you and your family blessed. It's a stark contrast between what's going on in the world and what's going on with you. Hallelujah. What's going on. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't really matter if things are going great in the earth or not great in the earth. They will go wonderfully with you. See, because your covenant, this is an important point that you catch this today before we go to judges. Love you, Nathan. It's, it's what I want you to see. It doesn't matter. The, the environment or what's around you in the world does not alter your covenant. Hallelujah. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. The world can't alter my covenant. The world cannot alter my covenant. No, nor can the devil, nor can any demon, nothing. That's why we read it again. If God's for you, tell me who can be against you. The world can't alter my covenant. That's a powerful thought. That's a powerful thought. The world cannot alter my covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
And so the world can't alter your covenant. That's a wonderful thing. We dealt with it uh, last week on the broadcast. Again, we looked at the first Passover and you saw that Israel didn't have to leave Egypt to be protected. They were in Egypt when the death angel walked through the land. And God said, it'll be the worst night that they've ever seen Egypt in the history of Egypt. Worst night, weeping, wailing, it'll be crisis. But among you, hallelujah, but among you, it'll be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Thank you, Lord. And you you see that? Can you see how powerful? That God didn't have to take, they hadn't even left yet. The exodus hadn't even happened yet. They were still, it was the final plague coming from heaven. They hadn't left, but though they were in the midst of turmoil, they didn't participate in turmoil because the world cannot alter your covenant. Thank you, Jesus, that my covenant is curated by the almighty God. My covenant is curated by Christ. My covenant is curated by Christ. He takes care. He watches over. He's making intercession. He's preparing a place. His blood is sufficient. That's why I love the fact that the book of Hebrews says that his blood is an ever-present sacrifice. You don't have to do it once a year. You don't know. We don't have to have the day of atonement anymore. We don't have to sacrifice bulls, goats, lambs. Don't have to do it anymore because the eternal lamb, Jesus Christ shed his blood. And that blood is an ever present sacrifice. It's always there. The blood is still speaking today. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is still speaking today and your covenant can't be canceled. Glory to God, the blood's already been applied. Your covenant can't be canceled. Glory to God. And so we're talking about the thought that uh, it looks the brightest in the darkness. When there's a stark contrast between what's happening in the world and what's happening for you. Because they won't be the same. (laughs) <laughs> they won't be the same in G. I mean, 2020 showed us that best year. Many of you have ever had, you wrote us testimonies. You told us all God did. You told us about the new jobs. You told us about the raises. You told us about the promotions. You told us about getting houses. You told us about being debt, being canceled and paid off. We got the testimonies. We heard from you best year that many of God's faithful people ever had. Best year we ever had, personally and in the ministry. Best year. That was a stark contrast. Because all you heard turning on anything was how rough of a year. That's why I was laughing. At the end of the year, there were memes all over the internet of people throwing 2020 in a dumpster and burning it. Trying to get out. You know, I saw people posting on social media, only 17 days left of 2020, get me out of here. As though... Once the calendar changes over, things are going to change for you. If you're not in the covenant, it's going to keep being rough. I wasn't trying to run out of 2020. I was blessed. I was savoring every moment of 2020, savoring it. Hallelujah. It was good. Very good. 
Very good. But for those that didn't have that kind of blessing, of course you want it to be over. Of course you want to get out of it. But I'm going to tell you something. Look at that, Pat Blake. God gave us a new home in 2020. That's exactly it. You don't, you're not trying to get out if you're blessed. I had no, no desire to try to run out of 2020. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because there was a contrast there. The covenant can't be canceled. It operates even when the world's in a mess. But here's the difference. As it is operating in the midst of crisis, then Christ gets all the glory. See that again with me. And that's what I'm kind of dealing with today is that when your covenant is functional in the midst of darkness, then God gets even more glory because his power is seen more clearly. Look at Kim. Our business quadrupled, quadrupled in 2020, in a year where they should have been pulling back, hoarding, laying off, stepping back. No, quadrupled in a year of crisis. It's only a crisis if you participate in it. And if you have a covenant with God, you are not required to participate in the crises of the world. Not required. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so here we are in Judges chapter 7. We're here in Judges chapter 7. And this is a a familiar story, but I want to break something out of this story for you today and show you how God did it. And And the Lord, by the way, the Lord did this on purpose for this reason. I mean, this is, this is huge, huge. Look at, look at Kim. I want a free car at your revival in York, Pennsylvania. Blessings. (laughs) Praise God, Kim. Look, God did this on purpose. So important that you understand it. Man didn't initiate what's about to happen. God did. Now I'm in Judges 7. I'll start uh, reading with verse two, Judges seven, two, listen to this. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me saying my own hand saved me. Do you see that danger? God's saying, you've got too many people, too many soldiers, too many soldiers. I don't want you going to fight this battle with all of these people helping you. Because when you win, there's a danger that people will say, oh yeah, we're powerful. We won this battle. God didn't want it. Why didn't he want it? Because the Bible says he's a jealous God. He wants all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. Judges 7, 2 is where I've begun. Listen, he said, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me saying, my own hand saved me. Verse three, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 20 2,000 of the people returned. (laughs) He had 32,000 people, 22,000 of them were afraid. And they left and went home. 
and 10,000 people remained. But then, then look what the Lord said, verse four. And then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any of them whom I say to you, this one will not go with you, shall not go. Verse five. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. Verse six. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go every man to his home. Now think about this and you'll see what I mean because when, when I show you who they're about to go up against, you'll recognize that this looks crazy. So think about it. Gideon starts with 32,000 people in his army. That's no joke. I mean, 32,000 people is a lot of people to have fighting on your behalf. 32,000 people fighting with him. God removes 22,000 of them. He's down to a third of what he had, less than a third. And the Lord said, that's still too many people for me to get the glory that I want to get. I want more glory than that. What's God doing? Look at what he's doing. And, and, it, and by the way, it is the Lord. It is the Lord that uh, is, is making this division or separation of his men. It is the Lord. And so look, he takes out 22,000 and sends them home, leaving him with 10. God said, I'm going to remove even more because I need more glory than that. I don't want anybody to say, I did this. I did this. So he takes from the 10,000 and removes 9,700, 9,700 more, sends them home. Glory to God. And gives Gideon... 300 men. Now, I'm going to show you why this is so crazy as we uh, keep on reading. Because when you look at who he's going up against, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> I'm going to skip down. Let's go down now. I, I, I finished reading in verse seven. Let's jump down to verse nine. And I want to show you this. That same night, the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp for I have given it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and Amalekites and all the people. Now listen to this. Listen to this. And all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. 
and their camels, <laughs> look at this, and their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. Do you see that? I mean, that's a ton of people. Now, now think about it. Now, Gideon had 32,000 and they numbered them. I mean, they, you know, the Lord even said in, in the Bible how many he had, 32,000. There were so many people with their enemies that the Bible doesn't even bother to number how many people are against them. He said the people of the East, the Amalekites, the Midianites were so many on the shores. They looked like the locusts on the ground and their camels were so many. They were without number and they looked like the sands of the sea. I mean, think about that. So many people against them. You'd have thought God would say, well, you know, take the 32,000 and go and, and win this victory. No, no, because when God does it, he's going to do it so spectacularly. He's going to make a spectacle and everybody will know that it was the Lord who moved and not the hand of man. And that's exactly what God's about to do. And you see this and the Bible says he went down and heard them speaking and they had a dream. There was a man who had a dream uh, in verse 13. He said, I, I dreamed that behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down and the tent lay flat. And his comrade said, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. They knew what was coming. Hallelujah. They knew what was coming. Gideon's coming. He's coming. They didn't know he was coming with 300 men only, but they, and, and look at that. God put a fear in their heart just through this dream. Now him hearing that strengthened his faith because he heard even what his enemies were saying about him. Glory to God. It's funny because the devil is so dumb sometimes that even though he's cunning and all that, Stu, he'll do stupid things. It's like, even when you doubt yourself, he'll make the mistake of coming and affirming <laughs> who God said you are. It's like you read in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it's like that demon possessed girl traveling behind the apostles, screaming out, these are men of God. <laughs> These are men of God. It's like, even if I doubted whether or not I was, thanks for reminding me. The devil is actually crying out. These are men of God. <laughs> Makes me laugh because, you know, it's even happened in modern times. Or a demon possessed person will come up. I know who you are. You're a man of God. Thanks for reminding me. I was, I was in a time where I was just kind of wondering. I know who you are. You're a man of God. Yeah, that's right. I am. I just, I had forgotten for a minute. And the devil's so dumb, he'll say something. He'll say something. And it actually, the Lord will let what your enemies say come into your ears and strengthen your spirit. <laughs> that's what happened for Gideon. He was in doubt. I'm down to 300 men. So the Lord said to him, you can go down now and take the camp. Or if you're afraid, just take you and your servant down and go listen to what they're saying about you. 
I mean, did you see that's what God just told him? That's literally what the Lord just told him. I mean, let me go back and read it again. <laughs> the Bible says, verse nine, that same night, the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp for I've given it into your hand. He could have gone right then with 300 men and taken it all. Verse 10, but if you're afraid to go down, then go down to the camp with your servant and you'll hear what they're saying. And apparently, apparently the second, the latter, what was true because he didn't go take the camp. He took his servant down to listen to what they were saying, which means he was afraid. He was afraid and he went down to listen and God let him hear what his enemies were saying about him and it stirred his faith up. It reminded him, you know what? I am anointed. We are anointed. God is fighting on our behalf and he was strengthened. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you, be strengthened today to know that the Lord is on your side. Be strengthened today to know that God is fighting for you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. The Lord is fighting for you. Hear it today and be encouraged. Now, look at this. I want to show you something that happened that even speaks to us in the New Testament. Because really, this is just a picture. It's just a picture. Now we're down to verse 15. I'm in Judges 7 and verse 15. And as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped as we should be doing, thanking God for what he's about to do in the church at large, what he's about to do in America, what he's about to do around the world. It's going to be so supernatural. It'll make the devil's head spin. God is is about to touch America and the world with a mighty moving of his Holy Spirit like we've never seen, and we ought to thank God for it. In fact, somebody ought to throw your hands up for real and throw some hands up in the comments and thank God for what he's about to do in the United States of America and thank him for what he's about to do around the world. It's going to be supernatural. Hallelujah. He, he worshiped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise. For the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Hallelujah. Verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. Now, catch this. And he put trumpets into the hands of all of them. And empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. You see that? So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, glory to God, that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars and they held in their left hand the torches 
and in their right hands, the trumpets to blow and cried out the sword, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. They cried out and they fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as uh, Beth Sheeta toward Zerara, as far as the border of the border of Abel Maloa, uh, Mahola and by Tabith. Listen to this. This is so supernatural because it's a picture of even New Testament believers. I'm going to show you what I mean. This is just a type and a shadow of New Testament believers. Notice what God put in their hands through Gideon. Interesting. In their right hand, they had a trumpet. In their left hand, they had a torch burning in a clay jar. (laughs) Now, see the See the fulfillment of this for the New Testament. What has God given us as New Testament believers? He has given us the power of our praise, number one, and inside of an earthen vessel, we have this treasure, glory to God. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. It's the fire of the Holy Ghost. It is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Now that fire lives in this earthen vessel. The Bible says so. The Bi- Paul actually had to remind the Corinthians. He said, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Thank you, Jesus. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why Paul wrote it this way. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That same fire that sat upon their heads on the day of Pentecost is now on the inside of every believer. It's the fire of God. It's the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost. I want you to catch this with me today. Not only do you have the fire of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, but you've also got praise at your disposal. The two things that bring you victory are with you at all times. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Two things that'll carry you through 2021 in total victory that'll allow you to run through 2021, to soar above your enemies, so that no wicked thing can come near your dwelling place. The Bible says, and I've read it to you almost every day, Isaiah 40, 31, so that you get it in your spirit and never forget it. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's going to be your story. You're going to have renewed strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Can you feel that today? That's the power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to run and not grow weary. We're going to walk and not faint. (laughs) Hallelujah. What do we have? We have the fire of God inside 
of these earthen vessels. See, and that's the key. What are we doing in this time of 21 days of prayer and fasting? What is happening? I mean, if you've read any of the book that I've uh, released, A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, you'll understand that I've written that one of the purposes of fasting is to crucify and to put under or put down the flesh nature, the carnal nature. See, that's why that this was such a powerful picture in the book of Judges here, because notice that the instruction was that as we're getting ready to go do what the Lord has called us to do, you have to smash that jar. You have to smash the jar. In fact, I want everybody to put it in the comments right now. Hashtag smash the jar. Put that in the comments right now. Hashtag smash the jar. Right now. Because here's the, here's the deal. That is truly the key. You've got to smash the jar. The fire is inside of the jar. The fire is inside the clay. It does you no good to leave your fire burning inside the jar. Does you no good. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels. Smash the jar. Smash the jar. Hallelujah. Hashtag smash the jar. That's it. Keep writing. That's what we've got to see. That's what we've got to see. Is that the clay has to be broken. The jar needs to be smashed. Why? Because what they really wanted was to get the fire out. They wanted their enemies to see the fire. Oh man, this will preach all day long. As long as the fire is in the jar, nobody sees it. And they're in the middle of the night. They're here in the middle of the night. As long as the fire is in the jar, nobody can see it. That's the whole point. Smash the jar. Let the fire burn bright. Let it be seen. Let it be seen. Part of what we're doing right now in fasting and prayer for 21 days, it's our way in the New Testament church of smashing the jar. Glory to God. It's our way of smashing the jar. There is, catch this now, there is something that has to be done to release the anointing. There is dedication necessary to release the anointing. Doesn't mean you're not anointed if you don't smash the jar. Doesn't mean you don't have God's power if you don't subdue the flesh. You do have God's power. You do have the anointing, but it will do you no good. That, that's what must be seen. In fact, one of the chapters, this is the, the book, but one of the chapters that I, I write, and I believe it's chapter two. Let me just, yeah, it is. It's, it's chapter two 
It's, it's entitled the supernatural power of self-denial. That's the name of chapter two, the supernatural power of self-denial. And I, I did this and I, I really don't think I could say it to you in, in a better way than I wrote it in the book. So I it's a short section in that chapter that's called power that's locked in prison. Power that's locked in prison. What does that mean? It's fire inside a clay jar. Power that's locked in prison. Let me, let me read this to you because I don't think I could, I could actually make a better analogy. That's why I did it like this in the book. Um, I wrote this. In 1935, the United States completed the most expensive engineering project in its history, the Hoover Dam. The, the 726-foot, 6.6 million ton wall is still the largest concrete dam in existence. Every year, Hoover Dam generates enough energy to provide four years of power for a city the size of Dallas, Texas. The dam holds back the Colorado River and straddles the border of Arizona and Nevada. Behind the dam, Lake Mead is the largest man-made reservoir in the country. There's a lot of water behind that wall. Now, imagine if there were a small hole in the wall. You'd see a stream of water shooting out from the dam. However, it would be a mistake to conclude that there's not much power or force behind the dam based on the small stream you see. The only reason the stream seems so insignificant is the size of the dam's hole. If you were to detonate explosives on the wall, it would burst open, allowing all of the water to come rushing through at once and you'd see true power. The concrete wall is the only thing standing between you and the full force of the water. This is an example of how the power of God functions in believers. The dam represents your fleshly carnal nature and the water is a picture of the anointing. It's crucial to understand, get this, you don't need more anointing. You need less of the carnal nature. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and he is the anointing of heaven. He's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and now he lives in you. And if you have a member of the Godhead living in your body, you don't need to become more anointed. You need to release the anointing you already have. Do you see that? That's the concept of smashing the jar. It's not that their torches weren't on fire. They were on fire. It's just that their enemies couldn't see the fire because it was covered by the, the clay jar. You got to smash that pot and open up that fire to be seen. It's got to be seen. And that's the key. In this time of fasting and prayer, we're pressing in. You're, listen to me, you know as well as I do, if you're on this fast with us, if you're praying with us, your flesh does not want to fast. <laughs> it does not want to fast. And you know it very well. You know it because your flesh is yelling at you, eat something, eat something, eat something. That is the carnal nature fighting back against your spirit, man. That right there is Galatians 5.17 in action. Just your flesh screaming at you to eat is Galatians 5.17 in action. 
The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. There's the, there's the principle in action. Hmm. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. And so even when your flesh is screaming at you, stop fasting, eat something, stop fasting, eat something. It's because the flesh wants to do what pleases it while the spirit man wants to do what pleases the Lord. Amen. And it seems to never fail. That like anytime you're on a fast, there's every commercial on television of the cheesiest cheeseburger, the best pizza, the best, all of that never fails that there's always a restaurant doing a special, all you can eat shrimp and lobster. I mean, whatever, whatever it is, it's red lobster, which is, I don't even know if that's real, but it happens every single time, every single time you always catch it. You drive past and all of a sudden I've never, I never knew how strong a, uh, I never knew how strong uh, a fast food restaurant's odor could come through my car vents as it does on a fast. I never knew that it smelled that good <laughs> as when I'm here on a fast. It's like um, me telling the story in, in the book as I was driving on my way uh, to lunch and I smelled that you know, and I actually drove into a, a parking lot and got a cheeseburger on the way to a lunch. I mean, like it just, <laughs> it, it hits you. I, I even have to, we were, we were doing a walk the other night or whatever. Uh, we all were going around our neighborhood on scooters and it's like people were grilling. Your, your senses are heightened. It's so in, it's so insane. Yeah. Mike said, I never knew how many restaurants were between work and home until you drive on a fast. Brandon said, I had to skip my own birthday dinner. And I mean that Whataburger spicy chicken sandwich on the billboard smells good looking at it. I mean, you can get a smell out of a picture. Your flesh is fighting. Your flesh is screaming. It's time to eat. It's to eat. Smash the jar. Smash it. And let the fire come through. That's part of what we're doing. I mean, we literally, I'm, I'm scootering with the family through the neighborhood I've never smelled my neighbors grilling before. It's like they were demonically inspired to grill while I'm fasting. And I, and you know, you smell it. Yeah. Pastor Sharon said, bologna looks good during a fast. I'm not going to lie to you. I like bologna off of a fast. I really do. It, I know I, it's crazy. And I don't even mean like the gourmet bologna sliced at the deli. I'll buy Oscar Mayer bologna that's in a package that's just I grew up eating that and I, don't, I still like it. It's just that I've kept it with me. I like bologna. Carolyn won't buy it, but I like it. How did we go to talking about food? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> ben said, yeah, but my pants fit better. I'm telling you that there is, when I, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> when I was like a teenager, hungry all the time. I would go downstairs in our house. My mom would buy this really nice uh, Italian bread. Uh, I, I don't know if it was from Denunzio's or it was one of the places where we live. And, uh, <laughs> I would, I would, uh, I'd go downstairs before this was before bed. I'd get hungry, like right before bedtime. This is not a, this is not an exaggeration, nor is it a joke. I would go downstairs and open that, uh, bag of fresh Italian bread and I would pull out eight slices of nice Italian bread. 
I'd open up, and this is going to look sound nasty to many of you. To me, it was glorious, still is. I would, I would, eight pieces of Italian bread, and then I would put two slices of bologna on each sandwich, a piece of Kraft Singles cheese out of the paper. Come on. Lay that right on there. Get some French's yellow mustard. Bam. And if we had it, fresh tomato, I'd slice it. Throw that tomato on there. Salt, pepper. Put all those back on. Four bologna sandwiches. I'm getting, I'm getting, hold on. I'm getting a message from the back. Some things are better left unsaid. <laughs> Four bologna and cheese sandwiches before bed. That's not an exaggeration. That was real deal, Holyfield. I don't, look, I got, I, got some, uh, I got some people agreeing in the comments. Others are uh, just hating on me. What did, what did Corey say? Scroll up to Corey's comment. Corey said, uh, keep going. He said, I never realized how many food commercials in a football game. <laughs> I feel like it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> oh, man. Praise God you made it. Thank you, Jesus, Corey. Hallelujah. We got four or five days left here. And so we're going to make it. But what are we doing? What are we doing? We're smashing the jar. We're sma- what are we doing? We're letting the fire of God be seen. There's an anointing in you. There's an anointing in me. But the anointing doesn't just automatically come out. It takes dedication. It takes consecration. I wrote this in the book too because uh, this opened people's eyes. Just this concept opened people's eyes to understand uh, what I was talking about. Because people think it's like not necessary to fast. Or they think it doesn't really mean anything to fast. Oh, it means something. It means something. Listen to this. Before chapter four begins, I have these big quotes on the side. You may have seen this on, um, on social media, but let me just say this to you because it takes dedication and it takes consecration to release the anointing. Listen, if we could reproduce Christ's works without duplicating his dedication, we would be greater than Jesus. Do you hear that? Let me say that again. If we could reproduce Christ's works without duplicating his dedication, we would be greater than Jesus. And Jesus had to do it to be anointed. And so do we. Do you know that when it came time, and I'll read it because I think I put it right in this chapter. When it came time, uh, yeah, I did. Fasting and prayer uh, prepared Jesus for this earthly ministry. And he's our role model. And it was his fasting and prayer, but they weren't arbitrary. Look, because he points to this. He points. Thank you so much, Corey. He points to this as a reason why his disciples could not do what he did in Mark 9. And they, they, they couldn't cast a demon out of a boy. And they were like, why, why can't we do this? And look what he said. He said, and this kind of demon cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some translations read and fasting. So whether you go with some of the, uh, the translations that add there and fasting that's found in some manuscripts or just this kind doesn't come out except by prayer. Notice there is something that had to be done 
in order to accomplish this supernatural wonder or miracle. Prayer and fasting. Jesus is saying, if you had been praying like I'm praying, if you had dedication like I did, if you had consecration like I did, you'd have been able to cast that demon out. But this is a type of demon, the strength that this demon is manifesting, it can't come out unless you pray and fast. So there are some things that you cannot access without prayer and fasting. That's a big point for the Christian to get. It's just like saying, say, well, I got all things. No, you can't just automatically take all things as a Christian. You know, you can't have financial harvests unless you give. There's another example. You can't have financial harvests unless you give. There are certain things you can't gain victory over until you pray and fast. And people don't like to hear that because we like to hear this message that all things are just moved out of the way for us and there's nothing we have to do. But there's a responsibility on every believer to consecrate themselves to the Lord. Many, and I mean many, of the most powerful men that ever walked the face of the earth in the kingdom of God have written about the fact that their whole ministries changed as they learn to consecrate themselves to God. Madam Che, when she was talking about how Dr. Cho built the largest church in existence, a million members, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. How did you do it? We did it this way. Pray, 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 fast, fast, fast. That was her answer. How do we build the largest church in the world? Pray, 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 fast, fast, fast. Pray, 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 fast, fast, fast. That's how they did it. That's how they did it. It's how Bishop Oyedepo did it. It's how A.A. Allen's ministry was launched. It's how T.L. Osborne's ministry was launched. Any of these men that were powerful, that did what the Lord told them to do and made impact, it was through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. See, there is dedication and consecration that allows you to smash the jar and release the fire of God in this world. It's exactly right. But notice this, it was in the midst of darkness. It was an impossible looking situation. But when they smashed the jar, when they did what God told them to do, it's brightest in the darkness. Don't fear the darkness. You ought to give God praise that there is darkness because that means he's about to get more glory, more glory, more glory. When God moves and there's a stark contrast His power is clearly seen. And you want his power to be clearly seen. You want his power to be. Let let me give you one more before we pray. Gospel of John, chapter 11. Jesus used this same principle. We want his power to be seen. We want his power to be seen. I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. This is the story of Jesus and the death of Lazarus. The Bible says in verse 1, John 11, 1, Now there was a certain man ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Mary or and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, listen to this. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Notice he didn't rush over to the house. Notice he didn't run to where the problem was to get it solved immediately. Nope. He stayed right where he was. Stayed right where he was. <laughs> and then verse six, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, stayed two days where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And they said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? He said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light's not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to waken him. He knew that Lazarus died. They thought he was really saying he was sleeping. Then he finally said plainly, no, he's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now look at this. <clears throat> I love it. Um, let me go to the verse that I want to point out to you here. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And he, he said, take away the stone. Now look, Martha said, no, he's, he's going to be an odor. He stinks. He's been dead for four days. Notice what she said when he arrived. <laughs> you know what he said when he arrived? Don't you believe your brother's going to rise again? Because she's, oh, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he just said, you could have done a miracle. Don't you believe your brother's going to rise again? Don't you believe your brother's going to rise again? See, he, had, he already had faith. He knew what he was going to do. He didn't doubt himself. And he didn't doubt the power of God. He knew what he was going to do. He wept because of the unbelief being displayed, my opinion. They thought it was because he was showing how much he loved him. But why would he be weeping if he knows he's about to raise him from the dead? Why would he be mourning his friend's death if he knew in a few moments he'd see him again? He's not weeping because he didn't believe that Lazarus would get up from the dead. Unbelief is a good reason to mourn. Four days dead. Now, everything that could have been done had been done. I remember Pastor Mike Perkey preaching a message out of this text. It was entitled, Jesus is looking for a situation to provide revelation. <laughs> Jesus is looking for a situation to provide revelation. And here he stands. They had done everything they could do. Everything. Even the religious people, literally, their religious rituals had expired. There was nothing else they could do. Three days had spent and were gone. They could no longer call the spirit back into the body through their religious rituals. All hope lost. Darkest moment of that family's lives. And the brothers laying there decomposing in a grave. And Jesus said, roll the stone away now. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to move. Could he have gone early? Yes. But if he went earlier, would he have gotten all the glory? That's the question. If he went earlier, would he have gotten all the glory or would some religious religious ritual taken some of his glory 
Would medical care, what they tried to do for him during his illness, if he got better from being, would that have taken some of his glory? Did he get more glory by doing it in a moment where no other help could come? Of course he did. Of course he did. And he made that point to the disciples before they even left to go to Lazarus' house. It's always the brightest when it's the darkest. Our help is always the brightest. God's power is always the brightest. When we smash that pot and pull out the flame of the Holy Ghost, when it begins to work, it's the brightest when it's the darkest around. That's the point I'm making today. It's what I want you to see. That's why you should never be discouraged if the world's getting darker. Don't be discouraged. Get excited. Get excited. Because you know what that means? Your God's about to get a lot of glory. Jesus is about to receive a lot of glory. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. Jesus is about to receive a lot of glory. It gets darker and darker and darker for the world, but it's not getting dark for us. For us, it's getting more and more glorious, brighter, brighter, brighter. That's the promise that we stand on every day from Proverbs 4.18. The path of the just, that's you and me, is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Amen. You see that. It's getting more and more glorious. More and more glorious. More and more glorious. That's for you. That's for me. <laughs> that's right, Ashley. God's getting ready to get a ton of glory. Let it get darker. And Bible prophecy teaches us it will get darker. In fact, let me just say what the Bible says. I'll tell you some things the Bible says. Get ready for some to fall fall away. And I think we saw some of that in 2020. Churches closed and some of them will never reopen again. And that's good. That's good. Because some of them needed to close anyway. Because they weren't doing what the Lord wanted them to do. They obviously were not operating in the power of God. Some are closed for good. Thank you, Jesus. They needed it. I actually prophesied that last November of 2019. I prophesied that. God's getting ready to tear down what was made with flesh that he was never in. He said, I'm going to tear it down by my mighty right hand. And those that stand with me and for me, I will lift them up. And you, some of them, you'll never have heard their name before. And I'll lift them up. I prophesied that by the power of the Holy Ghost in November of 2019. And it happened in 2020. God did it. We saw it so clearly, so clearly. And let me just prophesy what the Bible says. Many, the hearts of many will grow cold. We're already seeing that happen. So it's getting darker. There'll be people that fall away, apostate, people that'll leave the faith. Some would say they never were really a part of it anyway. Others would say they backslid and went away from God. Depending on what denomination you're a part of, there's two different views. But either one, same thing happens. They're not a part of the family of God. It's not a a large path that many are finding. The Bible says it's a straight and a narrow path and few there be that find it. So yes, the world will get darker. I'm not expecting, listen to me. I'm not expecting the world to get brighter and I'm not prophesying that it will. 
I'm not telling you get ready for the best days in the world. No, it might be the darkest days for the world, but not for the church. There's a distinction between who we are and who they are. Glory to God. There's a difference. There's a contrast between who we are and who they are. (laughs) I'm not them. You're not them. So don't expect their results. In fact, I think the best way to say it, if you'll write it in the comments for me, believers don't get sinners results. Believers don't get sinners results. Put it in the comments. Believers don't get sinners results. I'm not saved. I don't have a redeemer to have my life look like the rest of the world. Praise God, Brian. Believers don't get sinners results. I didn't get redeemed. I'm not saved. I'm not in covenant with God to look like the rest of the world. That's not going to be my story. It's not going to be your story. Believers don't get sinners results. Hallelujah. And so we're not going to, that's not how we're going to live. We refuse. We refuse. We have a covenant of distinction makes us look different. We're going to be distinguished. We're going to be glorified beyond those in this world. Thank you, Lord. So I'm encouraging you today. Get ready. Say, if you're waiting, listen to me. If your victory, your joy, your peace is based on how the world is faring, you're in trouble. Because it's not going to look good in the world. But if your hope and your help is in the Lord, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be greatly encouraged. What I'm saying, get ready for 2021 to be glorious. We're setting ourselves in position now. We're giving God the beginning of the year now to see him do supernatural things. And he will. And he's already begun. And for us, it's going to be a different kind of year. It's going to be a glorious kind of year. In Jesus' name. It's time to smash the jars and let the fire of God be seen before Jesus comes. Let me pray for you, those of you that are watching. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I am praying now for all of our friends, every one of our partners, those that have joined us on the broadcast and on the podcast. And I'm asking you now that from this day forward, let the distinction become greater and greater and greater. Let the contrast become greater and greater as the world is sliding into darkness, sliding into calamity, sliding into turmoil and destruction. Let our lives continue to get brighter and brighter and brighter. Let our path continue to get brighter and brighter and brighter in Jesus' name. As your eyes find us this year, our hearts loyal to you. I thank you that you're showing yourself strong and mighty on our behalf in Jesus' name. Showing yourself strong and mighty on our behalf. And we give you glory for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
If you believe it and receive it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comment section and begin to shout wherever you are and thank God that is getting brighter for you. Even though it's darker in the world, it's brighter for God's people. We're increasing at a huge expedited rate. It's going to be like, when I tell you it's like turning heads, that's what I'm talking about. The kind of increase and blessing and protection and favor that turns heads, not Christian heads. Not Christian heads. The heads of unbelievers watching you in disbelief at what God's doing in your life. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me ask you this. How many of you that are watching today would be willing to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you and stand with me and Carolyn in 2021 in partnership? How many would be willing to hear the Holy Ghost and sow a seed by faith? I'm encouraging you today to do that. I'm so happy that last week began our television ministry, which is a, an international television ministry. That, that right there blows my mind. God did that. <laughs> we're airing here in the United States and we're going to have all the stuff up for you so you can see all the places we're, we're on, but I'll mention them quickly. The United States, the entire continent of Africa, the UK on Sky uh, Television, Pakistan, the Philippines, the Caribbean. It's supernatural. I mean, God's opening up the doors and potentially will be seen, our program will be seen in 180 nations of the world. That's wild to me, wild to me. And it began last week on Thursday night. Some of you joined us for the watch party. And now every week we're on television, touching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God did it. Do you know, he gave us all of the equipment, gave us the place we're sitting in to even put the broadcast together. Everything that we needed, God didn't just open the doors, gave us all the tools and paid for, it's all paid for and supernatural. And so now every week around the world, we're touching souls with the gospel of Christ. And you're a part of that. We're feeding the hungry every single day, hundreds of children every day. And God continues to expand our reach and our impact. And I want to encourage you to sow a seed, supernaturally stand with us and partner with this ministry. God's going to bless you in a massive way. I'm believing that this will be your best financial year, the best one you've ever had. Debts are canceled. Bills are paid off. Things that have been hanging over your head will loose their grip and you'll begin to build wealth in the kingdom of God and be a pillar of generosity. And I believe God will do it. I want to encourage you right now, whatever the Lord is telling you to do, sow a seed by faith. On your screen, there's the different ways you can give today. Go to miracleword.com and you can sow a seed right there on the website. And all of the ways to give are on the website right there. You can use PayPal from anywhere in the world. Cash app in the United States. Venmo is available. Uh, hashtag donate. If you're in uh, Facebook right now, Twitter or Periscope, you can use hashtag donate uh, to sow your seed there, right without ever leaving the comments. If you'd like to send a, a check, thank you, Amber, for sowing a seed. 
If you'd like to mail us a check, you can always find our address at the bottom of every page on the website. Our mailing address is on the bottom of every page on our website, miracleword.com. We're in the process of, because there are several people that have requested it, and it also allows people, if they want to do bank transfers, we're setting up Zelle so that our, uh, our ministry will be able to receive things. Uh, if you like to do wire transfers or transfer from using the Zelle app, that'll be available shortly. And uh, even Bitcoin, uh, we we'll want to set up ways we could receive Bitcoin. Uh, any other cryptocurrency, Ethereum, <clears throat> we're making it available because you know, it blows my mind when there's ministries who want God to send people to sow and they like have no way to sow. You know, I've been to churches where like they don't even have a way to give by credit card on their envelope or debit card. Get that, get that availability. It's like, what, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? It's 2021. It's 2021. Yeah. Overnight some gold and silver coins, you Neil. However you'd like to do it. If you want to turn, listen, I'm not joking about this. If you'd like to <clears throat> donate, sow land or property to this ministry, it's not like that's never been done. It's been done. It's been done. If you'd like to donate or sow land or property to this ministry, contact us. Contact us through the website and we'll get the ball rolling. Put things in from the estate, whatever you'd like to do. I'm serious because God does speak to people in that way. God speaks to people in weird ways to sow. Do you know, um, there was a man who approached my father in his ministry, <clears throat> gave him a, a, a huge amount of land up in uh, Canada, farmland up in Canada. I had a guy who I love. He was the first major partner of this ministry. When I first met him, he said, uh, Brother Ted, come out to my truck with me in the parking lot. I want to give you something. And I, went, I followed him out to his truck in the parking lot. He pulled out a big case, opened it up, and there was a, a beautiful rifle inside the case. He said, the Lord spoke to me to give this to you. And there it was. It was a beautiful lever action rifle. And I still have it to this day. He sewed it. He came back uh, a, a few years later. He said, the Lord spoke to me again, Brother Ted. Opened up another smaller case. It was another gun. And sowed it. And he sowed it. There's different ways that the Lord will speak to people to give. There's people that put their watches in the offering. We had that happen last week in Danville, Virginia. Somebody felt to come down and put their watch in the offering. If people give jewelry, do what the Lord tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. I feel that. I feel like this is a year that people will donate and sow property and land that just jumped up in my spirit. And so I receive it in Jesus name. I believe it'll be a year that people will sow property and land. And if the Lord's telling you to do it, do it. He may tell you to sow a vehicle, do it, do whatever the Lord tells you to do, but whatever you do, be obedient to the voice of the Holy spirit. He leads you into increase. And so I want to say, thank you. Take a minute to sow your seed today. Listen to me. Every person that's partnering at $85 or more this month, we're sending you this awesome book by Miss Gloria Copeland, God's Will is Prosperity. 
If you go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, uh, you can, there you can tell us how you sowed your seed and then where we can send you this book. It'll bless you. And of course, those that are sowing uh, largely of $1,000 or more, we're going to include with this book, the Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather. It's one of my favorite uh, resources right now as well. I'm using it all the time. And it's opened up a lot of things. It shows you a lot of things you did not know, did not see, the commentary or the history of what you're reading. It's awesome. It's really awesome. Uh, I agree, Pam. She said, think bigger. And I agree. We need to begin to think bigger in these final moments of time as Christ is getting ready to return. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. And we have to do what the Lord's asking us to do. Listen, I would love for you to be a part of Miracle Word University. We've put these resources together so that you can be built up in the, not only the understanding of what the scripture teaches, the doctrines of scripture, but also to be equipped to do what God's called you to do. At miraclewordu.com, you see it on the screen, miraclewordu.com, we've hosted all of these courses, all of these classes, Uh, that you can get involved with. And we've made them extremely affordable. Each class is only $69. We even have a way that you can do two months payment of $35. And we have a course currently on the Holy Spirit, five hours plus of teaching, a course on divine healing, same thing, a course on answered prayer, a course on mountain moving faith. And we just released a brand new course on understanding biblical prosperity, biblical prosperity. This is the longest, most in-depth course we've ever released. Eight hours plus of teaching on the subject of prosperity. This will not only build your faith, but it will allow you to walk in a greater level of supernatural financial abundance. It's divine prosperity. It's not the world's way. It's God's way. This course will stir you up, and I want to encourage you to get involved. We've made a special bundle uh, for all. I did not break the internet, I promise. Uh, That bundle may break the internet. It's a special bundle. Uh, You get all five courses. It's 40 hours or so of teaching, close to 40 hours of teaching for only $249. Uh, I believe there's also multi- month payment plan on that one, uh, Tiff. There's a multi-month payment plan on that one if you'd like to get it. That's 28% off to get all of these courses. They're yours forever. You can watch them digitally on your phone, tablet, laptop. You can watch them at your own pace. You can even download them uh, to watch them offline. Go to miraclewordu.com and check it out. It'll bless you. Ed said, I received an extra check and I want to sow seed from it, but do I still need to tithe from it as well. Yes, it's important to tithe on any increase that you receive. And I always, uh, always, there's never been a time that I have uh, refused to tithe under the Lord. I tithe and I give above and beyond the tithe. Great question. We want to be faithful to the Lord in all that we do. And I know that you and Colleen are faithful. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us again today. Listen, I want to encourage you. It really is. Well, Sally, it really is a great deal for all of that teaching. 40 
hours or almost 40 hours of teaching, it will stir your faith and equip you for what God's called you to do. I wanna encourage you as we're getting ready to log off to jump over to watch um, Carolyn and uh, Pastor Nicole Crank, Pastor Rhonda Spencer, Pastor Jenny Raybert, uh, Miss Kelly Gilman. They're all at My Faith TV. And so if you go to their YouTube channel or their Facebook page, it's myfaith.tv, myfaith.tv. Search it on Facebook, search it on uh, YouTube. We'll share it on Facebook also. Jump over and watch. It's gonna be a powerful three days, today through Wednesday. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll see you again tonight at nine o'clock. It's our final week of night broadcasts, Monday through Friday. I'll see you tonight at nine o'clock, back here again in the morning at 10.30. Have a blessed day. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.